Hey listeners, this episode of Dame Baptiste Questions Everything is sponsored by Gamble Aware and is all about reducing the stigma around people experiencing gambling harms and addressing the perceived shame or embarrassment linked to seeking support or treatment. We just want to say the views and opinions are those of the hosts and guests and not of Gamble Aware. And remember, you can search Gamble Aware for tools, support and advice. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, podcast for myself, comedian, writer and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer. Hello. Present this special episode of the podcast sponsored by Gamble Aware. And today we're questioning why are Black Britons so much more likely to experience harms from gambling but unlikely to seek help? Now, first things first, uh, 44% of the UK adult population, uh, according to the Gambling Commission, will have gambled in some form this year. So this is something that impacts every community. That's right. However, there are some surprising numbers which point towards the fact that those from Black African and Black Caribbean origins will be disproportionately affected by gambling harms. Here are some facts. 20.90% of Black British gamblers report that they have bet more than they can afford versus 8.36% of all gamblers. 19.2% of black British gamblers privately gamble versus 9.3% of all gamblers. And also 32% of female gamblers who experience high levels of gambling harm are also of black British origin. I mean, what do you think when you hear those stats, Dave? They are, I mean, they're just clinical, aren't they? In terms of what they suggest. Yeah, I mean, for me, I can imagine that these statistics could be, uh, have kind of been uh, bubbling beneath the surface for a very long time. And it might have only been, the only reason we're finding about this now is that some black British people have been courageous enough to discuss any issues they may have with gambling or any uh, disorders that have resulted from gambling. And uh, which I think is good because it's something that is not very discussed on mass within the community. But yeah, it's a surprising statistic in terms of how many people may have disorders from gambling, but really it's not surprising to me because of uh, some of the reasons that people uh, are attracted to gambling. So not surprising at all. And whatever way you look at it, uh, those are some numbers which do make you stop and think. And and in this episode, we're going to explore the reasons behind them and how we can change them. Absolutely, because while this is something that is very dear to my heart, I do not speak for my entire community. So I'd like to welcome a friend of the podcast, a returning friend. It's Candice Braithwaite, who does a lot. She's a great thinker, as well as a best-selling author, activist, TV presenter, contributor for The Guardian and Harper's Bazaar. I've also seen her appear on Steph's Pat Lunch, and she also has her own podcast called Closet Confessions. Uh, so it's a pleasure to welcome Candice. What's happening, Candice? Hi, it's been ages. It's been a long time. But thanks yeah, for having me. We, we were in pandemic. Pandemic was last time we saw you. Yeah, pandemic. I remember I think I had like like chamomile lotion on my face. Like, look, I've got makeup on today. Oh like. yes, I remember. I remember. Whoa. <laughs> Um, it's, yeah, uh, it's done very, done very well for you. Complexion is looking clean as usual. <laughs> um, yeah, those are deep times, but I'm actually kind of excited for today's conversation. Excited might be the wrong word, but it's just something that I saw all around me growing up. But there's mm. never really mm. been a space to have a conversation about it. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 so much coverage uh, on gambling in the press, but it, it, it's it's a big part of 
of people's lives in the UK, right, Caddis? Like, mm. I know a lot of people, I'm sure you do. Yeah, of course I won't name names. I just remember it being part and parcel of male Caribbean culture and so many men I knew. I know even like one time one male family member had to look for another one to tell them like their mum had passed away and that family member had to scour every bookie. Because it's like, oh, that's just his known thing to gamble. And so if we can't get hold of them, we're just going to go around uh, look looking for places we know they're going to place a bet. It was like an all-consuming kind of culture. And I don't think I realised how damaging it was until now. It seemed almost normal growing up, to be fair. And unfortunately, in the places where I came from, gambling sometimes led to violence because people are placing bets they can't afford. So then there's a knock on effect of that or of entire families being disrupted because of someone's gambling habits. No, I, I totally understand and I can totally relate to the experience, especially because I think one of the things is that uh, gambling is uh, it's a very normalized part of society. And uh, mm -hmm. you know when we talk about uh, people having uh, disorders or any kind of pathological disorder, a lot mm -hmm. of time we're talking about substances as opposed to an activity. Yes. And, you know, it's not something that is always some, something to be immediately uh, scrutinized because, you know, people pay the lottery and people have scratch cards mm -hmm. and it was never seen as like a crazy thing to do that. And, you know, being that a lot of people of uh, Black British heritage are also overrepresented in poverty as well. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people see gambling as a way of being able to very legally transcend your socioeconomic status. So... Mm -hmm. I think there's a there's a big there's a big reason, Dane. I, I would suggest that it's become so just more and more present in our lives, and that's technology. Yes, Te yes. technology just has made it so easy to do that. You know, you're talking about memories of people going to betting mm. shops, right? Mm. Like, I remember that, and then I remember going past the place where I used to live, and uh, they're all gone. Um, and yeah. there's, not as many, there's not as many of them because why would they when the phone uh, yes. offers such a direct way into it right and it's mm. dangerous because you're on your own you're not you can be doing it anytime you go to the toilet and do it right yeah yeah it's gonna be ongoing that's definitely a good point Howard and, and also the, the uh, technology has also made it so I guess to an extent where people may be more mindful of uh any problems they may have with gambling if they do it out in the open or when they have to confront their family, the anonymity mm -hmm. that a phone gives you allows you to avoid that. But um, I mean, this is something that I've wanted to discuss for a very long time. And I think for generational reasons, it's kind of been difficult to have the conversation because, you know, a lot of my friends for an earlier part of their lives, just due to the legislation in place, um, mm -hmm. wouldn't be able to gamble. And whereas people have gotten older and had more access and obviously you know, because of the close proximity that gambling has to, uh, you know, professional sports, mm. you know, it's become a normalized part of the enjoyment of the entire sport as well. And uh, I'm not sure if I've even told you this before, Howard, you know, I used to work in a betting shop. Yeah, I remember you saying a while back. All throughout right? university, I worked in betting shops. And uh, I think the, cult the culture around gambling, I think, you know, there is a fraternal aspect to it. Typically, yes. I think amongst... Um, male members of the diaspora in the UK, that there is a certain uh, camaraderie to it. And if, you know, in the same way that in a, in sitcoms in America, you see people have like poker nights, then, you know, a lot of Black Britons would come together and they would have dominoes or, you know, mm -hmm. people would play uh, spades and stuff as well. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, much, it's a much, even though some people may regard it as uh, 
a gateway to developing a disorder. It's always been kind of a normalized and most so much safer way of having fun. But that's that's what's so interesting, right? Is that is that I don't think generally it's very easy for people to understand the risks, you know, that can come from mm-hmm. getting involved in gambling. Like I, I don't know, you know, I'm, we're not going to talk about you know people we know directly, but I, I've seen it just spiral uh, mm-hmm. so quickly. And I think we all have seen that in people we know, right? That you can you can just so quickly find yourself, um, you know, kind of kind of uh, at risk from from developing a, a real problem. Yeah, yeah, I think it's harder as well, I think, because, you know, when people develop disorders or another nature, I guess people develop any kind of disorder with substance with substances, sometimes you can see a much more visual effect that's having on them. Mm-hmm. And it's not as easy to glean that from someone who may have developed any problems with gambling, um, which is why it's always important to create spaces where people can talk about issues, which is why I wanted to ask you, uh, Candice, because you now have a podcast called Closet Confessions. <laughs> Which knowing you, I think it's gonna be a lot more profound than just like spilling the tea. So, what's what's the what's the what's the new podcast about? Oh yeah, closet confession. So I'm I'm sitting in it now. I've got this amazing uh, walk-in wardrobe that my mate comes and sits in, and we. It is amazing. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> like the design, those the wardrobes. What a great finish! And and trust me, as someone who is a self-confessed philistine when it comes to interior decorating, it's looking great. Thank you, thank you. Um, we... And rustic. We get some things off our chest and then listeners have been writing in also. And yeah, honestly, it started as a kiki and a laugh. But what we quickly noticed, especially being two dark skinned black British women, there's no safe space where like even if even if you breathe a certain way, someone wants to cancel you because now you're aggressive or the conversation. Do you know what I mean? Being in this space and directing this space has allowed people to come to us and just reveal their deepest, darkest things. And it's been amazing. But also, I rate you guys for doing this podcasting for so long. It's exhausting. (laughs) No, it's it's really exhausting. And not just like, obviously, the process of recording, but because we're taking on confessions from other people which sometimes are light and you can kiki through it but a lot of the times it's not light because they've not had a safe space to express a certain thing so they're going to email us and then we're left with like the kickback of that that for me sometimes like we finish a four-hour recording session I just got to go straight to bed because I'm like I don't even know what I'm meant to do with this and also we're only halfway through season two, but we, we're already having discussions around safeguarding with certain confessions. Right. Like yeah. what what processes can we put in place if a confession literally blows our head off and we feel like someone's in danger? And this is a, this is a true thing with even gambling. Again, yeah, because yeah. you don't see any physical effects of it happening, it's something that so, can so easily be missed until, like I said, when I was growing up, there was a kickback on an entire family, you know? Mm or it led to violence, or it could even lead to people um, being left close to death. Like it was, it. I think <laughs> to some degree, uh, betting shops, bookies were like a high key, a large part of breaking down families when I was coming up. It was, that. that's the way I saw it. And sometimes that's the way it felt for me and my friends also. Although I, I'm, I'm going to say I feel like I see a tapering off of it now because I'm like 35. But again, maybe not because we're now all on our phones. And I know how many pop ups I get for gambling things on my phone. Mm. And I'm not even really a gambling girl. I've never even played the lottery. So mm. I'm like, wow, if I'm getting hit with these pop ups, imagine people where the algorithm knows that's something they like to do. This is going to be a really hard thing to control. 
Yeah, it comes up on social media. It comes up everywhere. You go and look, you just want to, you know, it's like the sport thing, right? The, the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, you watch football, uh, which millions of people do, and there's no doubt that at least two or three of the adverts are going to be for gambling opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this whole story uh, which came out recently, which I think is a really interesting one to bring into this show, which is that the footballer Ivan Tony, uh, for place for Brentford, was spent, suspended from all football-related activity for eight months for breaching football association betting rules. Um, now, it is worth flagging up here, in my opinion, uh, who knows if everyone's going to agree with this or not, that it seems like where was the support for this guy? Because he, mm-hmm. he did it. He, it's hundreds of uh, betting offences, basically. And all that's going to happen now is he's going to be banned. Will they offer him support? And I suppose the question is kind of how do, why, why is it so difficult for people to, to seek support? You know, I suppose not just specifically, but generally, you know, with a reference to the black African and black Caribbean communities, why, why, why are people less likely to turn to, to get support? I think it's um, an interesting question, but yeah, can you, you take this one first? No, no, I was going to let you go, you know. Um, no, you've got much more, you know, but I think like I said, you've got, you've got direct familial experience, so. Yeah, why do, and it it doesn't just come down to betting, but if we're going to use betting because of the conversation right now, I've seen uh, black men struggle with that part of their masculinity of saying I need help, of showing up in that way and being vulnerable. And we're already asking them to be vulnerable in a country that doesn't support them for one reason or another. I don't think they're going to be that well inclined to say I'm I'm struggling with this. And if you want to look at the black community as a whole, we just struggle with that because of trust. Who do we trust? Who's really going to have our backs? And then I'm not going to sit here in front. There are judgments internally in my community of feeling judged by an auntie or this person or that person. So it's very much like put your best foot forward. You could be drowning in problems. You just feel like there is no way you can go where someone is going to have your back 100% and also perhaps not throw it back in your face later. That's another issue. So they're all, they all come down to um, not having many spaces where people who are struggling with a gambling disorder, to be honest and upfront and feeling like they won't be supported. And more to the point, I think outside of race, society just aren't ready to see a gambling disorder the way they would see someone struggle with drugs. Because we still haven't got all the way with drugs yet either. Some people are very much like, yeah, but that's a you problem. You chose that for drugs. So for gambling, they're, they're going to think that's a joke, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think that's, there's a, all completely excellent and accurate points. And I think all of those are even made more valid by the fact that uh, Ivan Tony's status it exasperates mm-hmm. all of those problems and the aforementioned because there will always be the supposition that because you are a professional footballer playing in the premiership, that the idea that your finances may be affected by a, any problems with gambling is laughable to people who feel like you are in a so have a socioeconomic status where it wasn't affect you it won't affect you there are people who will be also apathetic for that same reason mm. and there's always this uh idea that by you being able to be a, an, an overachiever in the form of a professional athlete that you've been given a massive opportunity and even if you have a disorder then mm. that is the result of your own lack of accountability as opposed to you having any pathological issues mm. i think um there's probably neurological um aspects to an issue like this that people maybe fail to study because when you think about it this is somebody who is involved in a high intensity industry which also would include you know a high level of adrenaline release mm. and you know a lot of the time 
and, and also high levels of dopamine being released as well. You play a game, you make your effort, there's highs and lows in order for you to win. And I, you know, I think anyone who's paid attention can see the kind of season that Ivan Tony has had. So he's contributed quite significantly to his team as well. And I'd go so far as to say that it's sometimes it can be very difficult for someone to supplement these chemical releases within your body. Um, and you might need an outlet. So, you know, in the same way that the rush of scoring a goal can give a football player, being able to accurately predict the outcome of a game can also be very alluring. You know, we've it's uh, it is common knowledge that Michael Jordan, who is arguably one of the most prolific and best athletes of all time, is an avid gambler. Mm. And, you know, same Charles Barkley is also known for being the same. And so it's definitely not something that I would... Um, Thing to condemn but i could definitely understand why our community there maybe struggles for someone to seek help within that community or to be uh transparent about issues they may have with gambling and i think the thing we should also remember is the uh, fact that we're talking about the gaming industry and yeah. because it's regarded as a game like i said the stigma isn't exactly the same yeah. as we see when people experience disorders with uh substance abuse but i am um, I think it's a it's a great point, how because because it might be very hard to get help because I think that there is also, as you said, uh, Kenny, there's a lot of issues with complex as well where I feel like there's a lot of uh, black British players, whether they are football players or uh, people that are gambling, who can always feel that there's a certain level of being expendable. Yes, and that's unfortunately the disposition that sometimes is the default when you have to work and thrive or at least just try yeah thrive as well as excel. Mm. within spaces that historically have marginalized you mm. you know and i think that's a big part of it as well is that um even within uh gambling or gaming establishments black british people and the diaspora in general may have not felt very welcome that's why you know african americans had the numbers game mm. you know in the 20th century and you know the same way that black people also used to operate systems like partners as well because mm -hmm. historically uh systems of finance or systems even in recreational spaces we've always felt we've been kind of marginalized so this may be a problem that i think in many cases with most people that experience any kind of uh disorders or pathological disorders would have shown signs a long time ago and again i'm using ivan tony as an example there may have been many stakeholders that were benefiting from his success that may have felt not to disrupt that proverbial gravy train. And to, to go and get support, is it, it, it's easy to say it. It's not always easy to do it because you also have to realise something yourself. You know, I have someone yeah. I know who got one of those free bets. Do you know when you get the free, they give you, sign up to our thing and we give you the <laughs> yeah. give you the money. There's nothing wrong with this. So, you know, <laughs> you know, it's a little bit free money. Does that ever work? Is that ever good? I don't know. But, uh, but you know, He's still using that. He's and that's a couple of years on. He's still using it, and he always says to me, "Oh yeah, no, I've, I've just still got the money that they gave me. I've just been, I've just been really good at it." And I'm like, I'm not sure that's true, and it would be very difficult for him to say to me, "Actually, I have a bit of a problem uh, now, and you know what? I need to get some help because I've actually spent X amount on this, and you know, I'm not finding it fun anymore." And um, I don't know. That's what it's, it's, it's a good point. That's, what, that's why the saying is the first hit is free. So it's always yeah. going to, you know, it's always going to be able to draw people in. And, you know, I have to say it as well, in, in a society where your worth is largely linked to your uh, ability to earn money, 
especially mm-hmm. the more shrewdly and more simply you're able to earn money the more you appear to be respected in society you can definitely see the law and i think you know especially when it comes to professional athletes being involved uh with uh having problems with gambling mm-hmm. i can i can almost imagine how that plays out maybe some of the first times that person may express concern or even sometimes maybe how defensive that person might be when they are challenged and again it's like i can definitely imagine someone being like someone a professional footballer being like yeah well it's not like i'm going into debt as a result of it mm-hmm. i'm still able to take care of my friends and family mm-hmm. and in many cases because ivan tony would have been very far removed from the quintessential black british gambler mm-hmm. that we're used to seeing spending days in like a betting shop it would have maybe just gone over people's heads so but, but, um, you know candace i've got to ask for your opinion if, if someone came to you to ask for support or treatment or like what, mm. what, what would you know what to tell them absolutely this is the thing absolutely not I'd, I'd try and research and help them or you could go to the gambler aware website uh worth mentioning that also it's interesting to think about how culturally ingrained gambling is in my community the dominoes come out at a nine night like do you know <laughs> and no, <laughs> like them slap of the dominoes is like the soundtrack to my childhood it's just like right. actually right. Try coming home from the shopping without them, without them um, lucky dips as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't. That, whatever the black equivalent of being in the doghouse is, that will happen to you if you don't come home with them. Yeah, trust me. Them lucky dips. Oh goodness me. They forget those. You better run back into that. You better run back into that Tesco. <laughs> actually just ever present and so if someone now wanted help I wouldn't know what to tell them and unfortunately I'm looking at I've got too many male people in my head where I'm like they didn't get help in time and they've lost houses they've lost relationships with their children they've lost marriages it's crept up on them that quickly it started with a cheeky game of dominoes and now they're in their latter years feeling like They've wasted not just their time, but even the transition of leaving them, quote unquote, mother countries to come here. And they're like, rah, this disorder has turned my whole life upside down. And I actually don't even think if I spoke to some of them, they'd even use those words. They wouldn't be able to actually contextualize or express what went wrong. We can see what went wrong now, but they wouldn't be able to say it. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that comes from a a uh, regular communal problem of being robbed of the language and mm-hmm. the spaces in order to express any kind of problem as well it's funny because say I, w- I worked in a betting shop but I remember when I was a kid you know where you'd even go to like a chip shop or you'd be at like a leisure center and they'd have arcade machines mm. and as a kid like obviously I was fascinated with computer games and they used to run like demos on b- before you put the coins in and my mom used to go crazy like if I even stood by one because it wasn't like I had the money but I just like watching the games and she used to go, but she used to be like, stay away from them fruits. And I used to be like, what are you talking about? I had no idea what she meant because I was standing by an arcade machine and mm-hmm. she, you know, my mom is uh, screaming at me in uh, her accent. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. But now in hindsight, I realize that oh, she was obviously aware of this as well. And while, like I said, she didn't necessarily have the language to broach the conversation with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I now understand stay away from them fruits. What I meant was that as far as she was aware, any of these machines and games of chance where you'd constantly put money in could lead down a very dangerous path. And so she definitely pulled me back. And, you know, I guess I had within my immediate family, I was able to have the benefit of not 
um, seeing that being normalized too much. Oh, but then, as I say, like the idea that no one that engaging in no kind of gaming or gambling, I don't think that's. I don't think that's a. Um, I, I I'd be hard pressed to find, particularly being uh, of Caribbean descent, hard pressed to find a household where there's no forms of mm. gaming taking place like mm. at the very like i said at the very very least even my grandma will do a lot do do a scratch card or even mm -hmm. my grandma would do like and then you know my dad might do an accumulator mm. and for me these never just didn't seem like it was like a gateway to any problems but you can definitely see how people can sleepwalk into that and i saw the same thing with uh working in a betting shop and i always tell people this story because i feel like my time spent working in the betting shop which i really enjoyed may have put me off gambling Mm. and it was just you know watching someone spend an entire day in the same position i was like oh that just doesn't really seem massively productive it's 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 those highs and lows i think that can have the risk where somebody who experiences those kind of wins only to over a medium to long term period of time experiencing lows mm. may find it very difficult to be able to confide in people because to many, that could be seen as a mistake, even though that can happen anytime within mm. your gambling. Mm. You know, that that kind of loss is something that people are never really going to be that forthright about, especially if you come from a community where it is nigh on, uh, a, well, it's nigh on impossible to see somebody enjoy that kind of windfall in one day. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think as we kind of head towards the end of this show, it's, it'd be good to just talk about what, the signs are uh, that you can look out for to help you kind of realize you or, or someone you know might be uh, might be struggling. So we've been given some uh, some kind of signs. Tell us if you guys these 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 ring true for you. Spending more time and more money and time on gambling than you can afford. I mean that happens so mm. rap rapidly. It, 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 it can spiral, can't it? Really. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean it happens in so many other ways of society so i could definitely see that one i think the one for me which i guess always will uh make me alert is people having arguments with family and friends about money and gambling and yeah you know the first time when you may ask somebody a question even if it's just flippantly or slightly in jest and they become very haughty and defensive mm. about something then that can always be a sign because if nothing else you know even you know gaming should be fun that's the idea of being a game so mm -hmm. if someone takes the position where it doesn't appear like it's a game for them then i think that can definitely be a sign yeah uh borrowing money or selling selling stuff you know your possessions to pay for it i mean i think candace talked about how this you know near the start of this show that the the, the, the things she saw happen to people's families uh, yeah that 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 is a common thing right yeah, absolutely. And people, and this is the thing, when uh, the people I was around them back then got desperate, they'd start putting up anything, things that don't even belong to them. And like mm. I said, that then led to entire families being in debt because this wasn't like, quote unquote, above the board gambling. This wasn't you walk into a shop and you give us your money. People are just placing bets with their mouths. And so this is that's a very different, more dangerous conversation. But yeah, the jumpiness, the, the, the secrecy, or if you feel you're having to hide certain things from a family member or person who enjoys gambling, you know the jig is up. If you feel like you're having to be the one doing the hiding, that's a for sure sign too. Definitely. I think that's a clear sign. I also think it's a, a very clear sign as well 
that, uh, you know, if all you could think about is gambling sometimes mm. as a, uh, as a, uh, maybe a remedy to any gambling losses, that can also be a problem as well. If you think the solution to any issues or drawbacks you've had from gambling is to do some more gambling, that can also be a problem and a sign to look out for. Mm. I yeah. think. Yeah. Well, it's been, uh, I think hopefully helpful for some of our listeners, right, Dane, to, to hear us talk about, uh, this today. Uh, it is a subject that doesn't get talked about enough. Definitely, particularly amongst uh, the Black British community. I think it's a very important conversation to have. Um, I think, you know, there are a lot of people who experience a lot of isolation, mm -hmm. A, from just having to try and thrive within an institutionally and structurally racist environment, as well as within uh, the gambling industry as well. And so I hope that this uh, conversation has definitely encouraged people to be able to speak about issues. And uh, Candice, thanks for joining us today. Uh, how's it been for you? It's been quite cathartic, actually, because like I said, it's not something I I spent time thinking about, but actually there are so many moments where uh, uh, watching people gamble has made a pretty terrible situation even worse. And so to be able to think about that and now think about the dangers of that being on these personal portals of our mobile phones all the time, it's actually going to make me pay attention a little bit more. Maybe I should like spend a little more time listening to friends or making sure that, because this is the thing, gambling doesn't have a face. As much as we're doing this episode primarily to try and get, um, you know, Black Britons to speak up, it doesn't have a face. It doesn't look like a thing. The way you can perhaps tell someone is um, struggling with drugs, you can't tell with gambling. So it's made me just think about keeping an eye on people a little bit more or listening to them with a little bit more intent. Because sometimes there are cries for help, but do we have the the beauty of time to pay attention that's the question that's really well said uh well we'll, we'll be having you back on the show i'm sure in the future yes <laughs> uh, and good luck in your closet uh your lovely closet L listeners let me tell it's you yeah, i'll come up with a confession just to go into this into this little studio here it's very lovely so um we appreciate it and great to see you as well and the doggo as well yeah oh, brixton's um, back i think brixton came on last time you know but he yeah. was a baby he was, he was a young one yeah he was very small yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a beautiful dog <laughs> go on uh, candace's social media to to see the dog <laughs> i'm sure uh, if you're not social media ring that dog yeah, yeah that's a mistake <laughs> Hey, you've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. Thanks so much to Candice for joining us today on the pod and thanks to Gamble Aware for partnering with us on this one. Remember, if you or someone you care about has been impacted by anything you've heard on the show today, you can search Gamble Aware for tools, support and advice. And it's important to remember that any advice or support you get through the Gamble Aware website is both free and confidential. Goodbye and remember, question everything.